like when I leave home. I say, I got everything. Let me see. Got a friend of mine makes a list like that before he leaves home. And his wife noticed one day he only had one thing listed on the, his list. And she told him about it. You only got one thing listed. He said, I know. <laughs> so list everything. Well, good to see you guys again. I'm so excited to be here. I've got so much to say and so little time to say it in. But I hope I'll get to come again sometime. <laughs> Amen. Yes, sir. I'm believing. Yes, sir. Amen. I'm going to be talking once again today about the law of increase. And the law of increase is no big secret. It's the law of sowing and reaping. Remember what God told Noah. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. And uh, so I'm going to be talking about that. And I wanted you to know as I come today, I come with a revelation out of my experience in the Lord. I come with a testimony. This is not just a made-up message that I thought would be nice to preach. This message was written on my heart and in my mind at a time that I desperately needed God to talk to me. I had been in the ministry for 23 years, been a Christian for 23 years, and came to a crossroads in my life where, where I fell into a big pit. Everybody fell, ever fall into a big old pit? And it looked like a pit that I could never crawl out of on my own. But I began to seek the Lord in a way I'd never sought the Lord before. And it's because of the way that I began to seek the Lord that I came out of that pit by divine ability, by the DNA of God. You know what the DNA of God is? The divine nature ability of God. Y'all catch that? Do you know what the DNA of God is? It's the grace of God. Nothing happens to us, in us, through us, for us, apart from the grace of God. Nobody in here will ever earn what God wants to do, has already done in Jesus. You'll never earn it. It's by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. Nothing ever will come your way except by grace. And so I learned that in this period of time back about 30 years ago. It has been now. And it was in 1990 in particular. You've heard me say this, but I'm telling you once again because I want to reemphasize, especially for those who have not heard me talk about this. That in 1990, as a matter of fact, I got it dated, September the 1st, 1990, I began to commit to the Lord to read His Word every day. Somebody said, well, that's a funny thing for a preacher to do. Well, it's not so funny when you understand probably, I would guesstimate, probably about 90% of preachers don't read the Bible. Listen, probably about 50 to 75% don't even believe the Bible is the Word of God. Or they just believe it has a portion. 
But I was very fortunate in my first 23 years of my Christianity to believe, I found out that I, I believe that the whole Bible is God's Word. As the old preacher said when he first started preaching, he called the book of Genesis, Genesis, and the book of Job, 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 and the book of Psalms, Palms, but he was preaching. I believe it from cover to cover. I believe even the Holy Bible on the cover of it's inspired. I believe it's God's Word. It doesn't contain God's Word. It is God's Word. Every bit of the Word is the truth. You can count on it. Amen? And so I did a novel thing in my desperation there about 30 years now, almost 28 years, November, September the 1st, 1990, be 28 years. I just came to the Bible, and my wife could testify to this as she thought it was very strange what I was doing because I didn't say anything to anybody about it. I thought that was a microphone. But, uh, but I would come to the Bible, and I started in Genesis. And I would read for an hour, close my Bible, and go to the next day. Come to the, back to the Bible. Wherever I stopped off, I'd start there again, read for an hour, close the Bible. And there I would do I did that day after day after day after day. And I was praying a simple prayer. My simple prayer was this, which I think is a good prayer for you to pray. I come to your word, and I want you to speak to me. I want you to talk to me. I want you to give me repentance <clears throat> to the acknowledging of the truth. I want to know who you are. And that's pretty much what I prayed. And that was it. Give me repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. I want to know who you are. I don't want to know about you. I want to know you. And I just want to testify to you that what happened over the next years came out of that reading every day. Especially during that time, I can tell you this, 45 days, 45 hours later, the Lord met me in a way I had never been met before in all of my Christianity. I can't explain the experience I had. It was just unusual. I wouldn't try to make a doctrine out of it. I just know that the Lord arrested me. And I came to know Him in a different way. Amen? Now see, I can tell everybody in here, I don't care how long you've been in God, you need to know God in a different way. You need to find Jesus in a different way. Somebody say, well, I found Jesus. Well, let me say to you this. I've been married 43 years. I found her 43 years ago. And I'm still getting to know who she is. And because I want to know who she is, it makes us want to be together, you see. I don't get tired of her. Because I know that there's more to her than what I know. Amen. Can you hear that? So how much more for Jesus? I thought this morning it'd be great to be able to turn over to the Song of Solomon. You ever read Song of Solomon? Anybody read Song of Solomon? Isn't that wonderful? You could almost take that and just have a love session with your mate reading that. It's, it's almost X-rated. That's talking about you and Jesus. Did you know that? Where is your love? You, you were going all through all the streets. Have you seen my love? You remember reading that? We went to the watchman. Have you seen my love? I'm, I'm lovesick. I want to love Jesus like that more. And what I've found out over the last 25, 30 years is that this love thing can be up and down too. 
You can still be coming to the Word. You can still be reading. You can still be praying. You can still be seeking. You can still be meeting with God's people. But you still invariably have this. Now don't look at me sanctimoniously because that's how life is. It seems like this, however, if I could draw a line, and I don't have my lines prepared, but you could start, say you start here and you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. You notice what I'm doing? You do this, and then you do this. Your, your deep spot never becomes deeper than it was. It's just a deeper spot than the last highest spot. Can you see that? And that's how, that's how Christianity is, and you better know that, because that's why you need to dis what, discover what I discovered during this time. I discovered Hebrews 4.12. Look at that. Let's look at it again. I'm there already. I'm ahead of you. Hebrews 4.12. Verse 11, we'll read that as well. Let's read verse 9, because this is the whole context. Are you there? There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Anybody here need any rest in your soul? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? What does he say next? <clears throat> Hope thou in God. That's not in Hebrews. This is in Psalms. <clears throat> Hope thou in God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent. Somebody say diligent. You, you need to go into your Strong's exhaustive concordance and look up the word diligent. How many times it's used over and over again. You know what diligence translates into? It's a cuss word these days because it's a four-letter word. Somebody said it, I think. Work. Somebody said, oh, I don't believe in that work stuff. I believe in grace. Well, you don't understand what works is all about. We're talking about work. Be diligent. That means work. To enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Or the word for disobedience could also be unbelief. <clears throat> Yours and my problems that we have in our Christianity is for one reason. Everybody say the word. Unbelief. So we may try to pretty it up in any way that you want to do it. But it's unbelief when you have a problem that you're not able to overcome in your Christianity. Because believing means that you come to the Lord and say, You've said it. You've settled it. You perform your word. You keep your promises. You've never changed. And you will not fail me now. And then what you're saying about, Brother Brad? Now, see, you don't get that. You, know, you only do that while preaching. You don't do that in the face of God like that. You say that much sweeter. Well, sometimes some people say they get mad at God. You know, listen, I haven't understood yet. I have not been mad with God. I don't understand how you get mad with God. How do you get mad with somebody who has no fault? 
Now, some of you can get mad with me because I have faults and you have faults and we can get mad at each other. But God hasn't got any faults. Amen? He never fails. He's always on time. He's never late. He'll never tease you. He'll always be truthful. Amen? All right, I'm getting where I'm enjoying my preaching. The, ver the very next verse is very important. For the Word of God. Somebody say the Word of God. Here it is. It's not some prophetic utterance that somebody said about you. That's not a Word of God. That's a Word of prophecy that has to be proven that it's from God or not. You don't have to prove this is from God. Matter of fact, if you really need a Word from God, open it up and read for about an hour a day. Start off with 15 minutes if that's all you feel like you can do. Just read it and say, Lord, give me a Word. Talk to me. Teach me. Holy Spirit, come. You're the teacher. You're the one who leads me into all truth. You're the one, one who talks to me about Jesus. You make Jesus real to me. You make Him sweet and precious and beautiful and glorious to me. You magnify Him to me. Amen? And let me say this with, with being totally transparent. Just because you're involved in this and you're faithful to read the Word and you're faithful to come to church and you're faithful to pray does not mean that there will still not be times that you'll do this. Anybody preaches that to you otherwise, have not, they don't have a real experience. They have something made up psychologically and are trying to overcome psychologically. And listen, I'm finished with psychology. I don't overcome by psychology. And if I can't come overcome with theology, I won't be able to overcome with, with psychology. Now, psychology's got some things that are good for understanding because we're all psychological. Amen? But your answers are not in your psychology. Your answers are in your theology. Theology is simply the study of God. What do you know about God? And the, and the only thing you'll ever find out about God is through Jesus. And the only one who will ever teach you about Jesus is the Holy Spirit. I could stand up here and, and, and bang my gums all day long and just spout and spout and spout. But it wouldn't make any difference if the Holy Spirit doesn't come and do something to you in your heart while I'm talking. He's got to stir your heart. Your heart's got to be smitten by the Holy Spirit for you to come alive. Pastor Kevin, I think, said it last time, be quickened is what the King James says. And that simply means made alive. Life has to come. I want life when I come to the Word. I want life when I'm in prayer. I want life when I'm meeting with the body. I want life. There's so much death in the world. Amen? Amen? And so I found out that the Word of God is the only instrument that can divide the spirit and the soul. And thus, because of that, and understanding that the Word of God is powerful, and understanding that it's alive, no matter how I feel when I'm reading, by the way. Somebody might say, well, you know... I just didn't feel led to read the Bible because I was reading, my mind was just wandering. Like it was an insult to God because your mind wanders. I mean, get a, get a clue. You, 
when you're at work, your mind's wandering many times, and people are paying you for your mind wandering. Amen? This is transparency. I many times, I've read for a whole hour sometimes, and while I was reading, thinking about something else. Somebody said, you must be ADD. I don't know. I may be. I did the same thing at school. My mind wandered when I was sitting in class. They should never have windows in classrooms. Fred. Fred. Yes, ma'am. Nobody ever so guilty of that, right? Day, daydreaming. So, let me give you a good exhortation. If your mind's wandering, it makes no difference. The Word of God is powerful and alive, and the Word of God is doing something in your spirit that you're not even conscious of. See, this is all of my testimony. This is I found this out. When you're sitting down to the table and you're eating your dinner, your lunch, or your breakfast, or whatever, how many of you ever sit down and, and examine it? Let's see, this particular food has A, D, B, C, D, X, Y, Z. You, you do that? If you do, let us pray for you today before you leave. But you eat it because you know it's good for you. And it's doing something in your body, whether you feel it or not. See, this gets back to what Pastor Kevin's talking about. Most of us Christians live out of our senses. We live out of our natural man. We live out of our physical man. And so what I'm finding is that there's a division of spirit and soul, and we found out that the spirit of man is the life of God. It's the spirit of the breath of life. Isn't that what the Bible calls it in Genesis? He breathed the spirit, the breath of the spirit of life. When everybody was drowned in, in Noah's day, it said that they, they and all who had the spirit of the breath of life, which by the way, included animals as well. But that's the spirit of life. Just in case I don't get to say this, not until Jesus arose from the dead did the spirit of life become a law that had power in it for us. The law of the spirit of life, where? In Christ Jesus. Where was that law birth? At the resurrection. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll do the things of the Spirit. You sow to the Spirit, you'll do the things of the Spirit. You talk in the Spirit, you'll do the things of the Spirit. Amen? What is in opposition to the Spirit? Flesh, that's all. Flesh. What is flesh the, the proponent of and the birther of? Unbelief. Because the flesh always wants to know, how do I feel about it? How am I feeling about it? Listen, you never have to say to God, now God, I don't know how I feel about that. All you say to God is, Lord, I believe. Abraham believed God. Abraham didn't debate God. He didn't counsel with God. And he didn't say, now, Lord, let me ask you about this. He did, the Bible says he believed God. 
And that's what we found out. And so I just came to the Word and kept coming to the Word. And the Lord showed me the difference between my spirit and my soul. My soul had been what was always getting me in trouble. My soul is my mind and my will. My soul is the expressor of my mind and my will. My soul is the expressor of my emotions. And if I let my emotions from the flesh, from the senses, from the natural man control me, I was going to be in trouble. But I began to learn from God that the things of the Spirit are are the Word of the Spirit. The Word of God is Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 6, I believe if I recall correctly, He said, The words I speak unto you, they are Spirit. And what are they they if they are Spirit? They're life. That's where our life is. We got born again in our spirit. And so new life came to our spirit. And so now we want to make certain that we find out everything that pertains to the spirit. Let me tell you this again. This is testimonial. After I had been doing this for about 45 days, 60 days, somewhere in there, I finally got a revelation from the scripture what I was doing. I think I've told you this, but I'm going to tell you it again here. Look at Hosea chapter 10. You can turn, there's no pages anymore, it's just. But I've got, I've, got, I've got the hard copy here. Hosea. Right after Daniel. Verse 12, are you there? And here's what I found out. It says, Sow for yourselves righteousness. You got anybody got a King James in here? No, no New King James. You can't it's just King James? Regular. It says so too, doesn't it? So to yourselves. Which I think is more appropriate because that's exactly what he's saying here. So to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. I needed a bunch of that. Break up your fallow ground. You know what the fallow ground is? When you're plowing along in a field. Most of us don't know much about plowing. But the old plows, of course, you've got, you got the same old plow on a lot of machinery these days, but it just it has furrows. It plows a furrow. And when the dirt get, goes like this as it's going along, what those clods are, that's the fallow ground. You've got to break up those clods in order for the ground to become receptive to the seed. So, so there, how many, that sounds like a four-letter word. Work. Somebody says, your preacher preaches a works gospel. No, I preach a gospel of faith that has works to follow up or it's dead faith. It's futile faith. Not fruit-producing faith. Faith without works is dead and has no reproduction in it. Amen? He goes on to say, For it is time to seek the Lord till. I like that till. Until, till He comes and rains righteousness on you. The first word for righteousness there, I looked that up for you just so I could see if I could get it real quick. My notes are very confusing to me. 
Brother Kevin's going to have to teach me how to make outlines. But it simply just means justice, righteous. And so when He comes and reigns on us, is that righteousness that was reigned on Abraham when he believed God. We come because we know it's right. We come because we know it's just. We know we come come to the Word of God and we sow the Word of God to our spirit. And God comes and does something that only He can do. He comes with the rain. How many of you know when you've been dry, it's great to get a rain? Maybe you won't even walk out in it, you know. You know, the Bible talks about the former and the latter rain. That's for the crops. And so God comes. And that's what I needed for God to do. And I realized, Lord, that's what I've been doing. And, and because that's what I've been doing, here's what you've done. So I realize now that if I keep doing what I've been doing, you'll keep doing what you're doing. And so it was off to the races with the Lord. And it's been a wonderful experience ever since. But I'm just coming with a testimony to tell you that it's, it's not just easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy. <clears throat> Let me, if there's one thing that this preacher can say to you that I can say with confidence, I will say it to you. Because I, the Lord told me years ago, He said, I want you to be an example of people who read the Bible. Set you an appointment with God and don't let anything get in your way when you set that appointment. Because your flesh will find some way to squeeze out of it. And if you will do that, make an appointment with God and, st- and do the same. The basic best thing is like I take my medicine. The same time, every day. How many of you know the Word of God is medicine? Amen. Set you a time. And say, I've got an appointment with God. It's time for my appointment. Set my alarm clock. It's a time for my appointment. You will never then again have to be led. If you do need a piece of lead, I can find you one. It may be in my pocket. I don't, you, you want a piece of Get a lead pencil. And you can be led. But anyhow, feel it. Feel lead. You'll never have to do that again. You'll never have to go that feelings route. You'll have an appointment. Amen? See, that makes sense to me. I mean, listen, my wife and I discovered after a few years, especially when you got one or two, three children, you better make an appointment to get together because everything in the world gets in the way to keep you apart. And one day you turn around and realize, and this is what a lot of people realize in the old age, all the children are gone and you look across the table and you don't know who that is. He's looking at you and she's looking, you know, back, you know. Hallelujah. Anyhow, that's just for what it's worth. It's the apartment here. I'm going to take a drink on that. I love the word I heard one time said, but the, especially the ladies are so guilty of this. You know, you're taking so much time with those children. Remember, they're going to be gone. He's staying. Well, this is good preaching. Now, this is good family. Must be flowing. <laughs> I made certain that my wife heard that. Hey, honey, the children are going to be gone one day. I'm still going to be here. And it's worked real good. All right. So this was the principle that I found that 
sowing and reaping. And what else did I find out? Oh, here's, here's, here's that word righteous, by the way. I want to make certain I got it straight. I found it in my notes, finally. The first word for righteousness is to be right in a righteous or justice way. The second word for righteousness is prosperity. Listen, if you have a problem with the prosperity message, repent. Get over it. Because there is a prosperity message in the Word. But remember this. Prosperity is not what you possess, but what possesses you. When the Bible says, I would that you were prospering, being healthy, as your soul prospers, 3 John 2, that word for prosper, prosper there is the word that means have a good journey. And having a good journey is like, would you like to take off from South Carolina and go across country in a car to California and run out of money about halfway? That wouldn't be good, would it? But having the ability to meet the needs along the way and have a good journey and get there in peace and get there in sweetness and not having an argument over the fact that you've been careless. Anyhow, I'm on the marriage thing. I'm thinking about the railing wife. and Oh, you don't want that straighten you out of course you know the man can try to straighten the woman out too why didn't you remind me how you know how i am by the way i thought about the the mother's day card a while ago talking about money and i told my wife i said my mother's day card's a debit card well she told me quickly you're not my daddy but i like to be reminded that she's the mother of my children and so what I say to her is, why should I go out there and try to find something for you that you're going to act like you like? Feel like you're going to hurt my feelings if you take it back and exchange it. Here's the debit card. You know what, Jamie, I don't have to hand her the debit card. You know why? Because she's already got it. I have to get a little bit of cash to carry around with me. She's got the debit card. I hope this marriage stuff is blessing you today because it's totally off the cuff. It's for no extra charge. Now, all that's my introduction. <laughs> now I'm ready to go, Linda. I'm re- Woo! Hold on. Now listen, we're talking about increase. And everybody in here ought to want increase in your lives. You can be content where you are, but never be satisfied. Contentment is wonderful, but being satisfied where you are is not good. It's it's slackness, laziness. Not committed to the work that it takes to get where you want to get, where you'd like to get. And you won't get there just by hoping. You've got to get there by that other four-letter word. Work. Making appointments, keeping appointments, being on time. Making certain you do it. Making certain when you get through, you can say, Lord, thank you. I've got that settled. We've got that for the day. It's settled. Hallelujah. And you'll be amazed at what you can meditate on during the day because of that 15 minutes or whatever you spend reading the Word. Amen? Now, here's what I want to, I want to give you real quickly. Now, I'll give you the whole thing, and then I'll go back and try to break it down a little bit. Increase sounds like this. Going from faith to faith. Going from life to life. 
going from glory to glory. The light of the path of the righteous is like the light that grows brighter and brighter or grows more and more. Somebody say more and more. Strength to strength. I discovered those things in the Scripture and they thrilled my soul. My, well, that's what we want. We want to go from where we are to where we want to be. And when we get to where we want to be, we want to go from there to where we want to be. We want to keep on going. Don't ever get satisfied with where you are. Be content, but don't get satisfied. There's always a deeper place. There's always a higher place. There's always a wider place. Amen? In God, always. All right? For the first one, faith to faith is in Romans 1.17. All right? Life to life is 2 Corinthians 2.16. Glory to glory is 2 Corinthians 3.18. More and more is found in Proverbs 4.18. Strength to strength is Psalms 84.5. Now somebody said, well, you miss grace to grace. That's not what it says. John 1.16 says, And of His fullness have we received, and grace for grace. It's not two. There's a reason for that, because of the word that's there. It's the Greek word anti. It basically is saying that grace in the place of grace. Grace succeeding grace perpetually. Let's see if I can read my writing. The richest abundance of grace. There is no, no, no grace to grace. Because if we believe what we said earlier, that the DNA of God is the grace of God, we're constantly in, in need of that grace working, aren't we? Amen? Abundance of grace. Somebody said, well, that sounds like an increase. Well, it's an increase of such, but we have to understand what that means. And that's what that word, auntie, means. Actually, my Greek, Greek interlinear Bible translated it, grace instead of grace. So I want you to know that I had looked at that and it wasn't grace to grace. But here's what I want you to make a note of. Faith, first of all, faith is a spirit reality. Write down 2 Corinthians 4, 13. And it's important to understand that faith is a spirit reality because faith has to do with our spirit, not with our soul. So it's very important to divide it correctly. Grace has to do with our spirit and not with our soul. You want me to prove that to you from the Scripture? 2 Corinthians 4, 13 says, we having the spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. That's 2 Corinthians 4.13. Now about grace, now here's the interesting thing about grace. There are three epistles that end like this. Grace, the grace of God be with your spirit. Galatians 6.18 Write these down. 
2 Timothy 4.22, Philemon 1.25, it only has one chapter. And it's the last verse of these epistles. And it says, The grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's a spirit transaction. Are, are, do you get the point that I'm trying to make about this thing is that we've ignored the realities that the spirit and the soul, listen, they may not be able to be practically divided, but they must be analytically divided for us to study it and to understand that we've been living mostly out of our soul and not out of our spirit. When we live out of our spirit, we live out of faith and grace. And that's primary. I want you to get that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We only quote that when we want to lead somebody to Christ, but you better be quoting that along the whole way of your Christianity. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, always, not of works. Works to achieve where only faith and grace can achieve. That's what we're talking about there. It's not a contradictory to the works we were talking about earlier. That the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, No flesh will glory in His presence. Amen? Now what was I going to say about that? Here it is. Faith is given to us as a measure. Romans 12, 3. Write that down. It's very important. Faith is given to you as a gift, and it is given to you in a measure. Now, this is important to distinguish, because that measure means there can be an increase of the measure. You can receive the gift of faith because of being born again, the Spirit, new Spirit, Spirit of faith, you can receive that by new birth, and it will increase by being exercised like a muscle. But then where grace is concerned, whenever you find the word measure, where the word grace is concerned, it's speaking about gifts according to the grace. Gifts, a measure, the measure in reference to the, to the grace. Ephesians 4, let's look at that so we can make sure we understand that. Every time I come to stand before you folks, I feel like we need more of a Bible study than we do anything else. I like to preach because I like to get excited, but, but I want you to be able to hang your hat on some stuff here. Ephesians 4, 7 says, To each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Everybody, every born-again person in here has a gift. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says that we're to minister to one another with this gift according to the grace of God. Find out what your gift is. You know how you'll find out what your gift is? I'm sounding redundant, but here it comes. Read the Bible. Somebody said, I thought I could find out what my gift was if I came and got pastoral counseling. I, I got news for you. I've been pastoral counselor. 
When people come to me want to know what their gift is, I'd say, read the Bible. And what God will do for you, He will begin to show you in your own heart and in your own mind where your gift is, where your flowing is, where your anointing is. And you'll begin to find out when you do it, you'll have more joy than ever before because your joy will be fulfilled. You will be more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. Most American churches these days gather people to receive and not to give. But if we were having church in the old Bible way, you notice I didn't say the old-fashioned way. Pastor Kevin's been crying out for this. Have church the Bible way. Everybody would come with a tongue, an interpretation of a tongue, a revelation. And we'd have people like popcorn popping up wanting to share what God had said to them. We'd have to take control of that, make certain that, you know, that folks didn't just go out and left field somewhere. But wouldn't that be great to have church like that? And we'd stand on our little tippy toes wondering what God was going to say next. We'd understand what the Bible means, that prophets are subject to prophets. When one prophet is speaking, let him keep quiet so the next prophet can speak. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That's what church is like in, in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. So that's what grace is related to. And what it's, when, it, when it talks about a measure, it's talking about, a, about related to your gifting. The DNA of God is going to be at work. And you're going to start getting excited about being who you are, finding out who you are. So many Christians just don't know who they are. And uh, when I used to, when the Lord began to really speak to me about this simple revelation, just read the Bible and listen to God, I told my people, I said, listen, you can throw away 90% of, 90 of your books on how-tos. You ever notice you go to these conferences? Overwhelmingly, they've got a lot of these books, how-to. Maybe not these days, but they did then when I was much younger. How-to. And we would always, I want that how-to book. And I'd read the how-to book, and I wouldn't know any more than I knew when I, before I read the how-to book. Or I'd get real confused at trying to implement a how-to that he did, and it worked for him. And I'd implement it, it won't work for me. So we begin to have philosophies like, it'll work in, in Asia, but it won't work in America. You know what I'm talking about? It's like prayer, like Yungi Cho's prayer in Seoul, Korea. It'll work there, but it won't work here. No, the problem is, is not that. The problem is you've got to seek God by His Word and cry out for Him to make known to you who He is because when you seek Him, He'll come and reign on you. An increase will come upon you. Your heart will become His field to plow and to plant in and bring forth fruit in. The fruits of righteousness. By the way, in the, in the Romans chapter 1, faith to faith, remember what that says? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation or to deliverance. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And he says, for... In this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. How? From faith to faith. The more you become acquainted with this message of righteousness that's in Christ Jesus, you will find that you got there by faith, and you'll need to go from there by faith to the next place of revelation of understanding the righteousness of God. You've got to go to faith.
It's always by faith. I was appreciative of, I think it was Brad that made the statement in our last message. Maybe time before, Brad. But the only way you can die to self is by faith. Isn't that a revelation? So if you're, if you're wanting to die to yourself because you're so self-centered and so self-absorbed and so selfish, self-seeking, bear in your body the dying of Jesus. And the life of Jesus will be manifested in you. You'll go from life to life. Life to life is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 there. Remember I gave you that? And then what I'm quoting to you now is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, three chapters later. That's what he's talking about. You'll go from life to life. The life of God will increase in you and abound in you. Amen? Is everybody still with me on the same page? Praise God. Let me take a drink of water. In the closing moments, let me just try to really stab at these things because I don't know if I'll get back to them. 2 Corinthians, we're talking about 2 Corinthians. That's 2.16, life to life. 2 Corinthians 3.18 is glory to glory. We are transformed into the same image looking into the face of Jesus from glory to glory. Transformation. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 4 because that's where more and more is. Psalms, Proverbs. I'm going to read this passage. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. You'll notice I have used these verses before, and I'll probably use them again, because we need to hear it over and over again. We need to go from over to over. <laughs> again and again. Verse 18 says, The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter. I believe it is that the King James says more and more. Unto the perfect day. Then verse 20, let's see what verse 20 says. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep them. Watch over them. Protect them. When the devil comes to get it, resist him. Because the, word, God, the, the devil is coming for the word that's in you. He's not concerned about you. He's concerned about the word that is in you. He wants to get it and steal it from you. Jesus said, when you don't understand it in your heart, the devil comes and gets it. And so I, I figured out a long time ago, if I'll keep reading the Bible over and over, I'm going to wear the devil out trying to get the word out of me. Amen? Because I keep, just keep compounding, compounding, every day, compounding. I believe in compounded entrance. Amen? That's where the riches are, compounded interest. Not simple interest, compounded. What your, your, your a little bit of an estate grows. It doesn't, just doesn't have something added to it. It grows. That's the kind of increase we want. Amen? For they are life to those who find them, 
and health to all their flesh. I want you to know that that's one verse I quote about my own condition. When I, when I come to the Lord, part of my prayer when I come to the Word is, You sent your Word and healed me and delivered me from my destruction. Your Word is health to my flesh and life to my bones. Jesus bore my sicknesses and my diseases and carried them away, and by His stripes I was healed. Therefore I declare in this day, by the authority of the Word of God, I am the healed of God. Spirit, soul, body, from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, Parkinson's disease, you're trespassing on God's property, get off of God's property, cease and desist your activity. That's what you call acting in faith. That's what you call exercising your faith. Don't ever get in this trap with people saying it's because you don't have faith. When you got born again, you received a measure of faith. Now just use it. Exercise it. It will increase. It will become stronger. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're seeing, because you're not moved, nor do you live by what you feel or see. You live by what God said. I said that to my dermatologist the other day. She sort of, mm-hmm, yeah, sounds good. Because I told her, I said, a while back I was having to declare I will not die but live. And declare the works of God. And I said, you know, God agrees with Himself. She said, well, that's a good way to put it. (laughs) Amen. I I think I already knocked her off balance two or three times before I said to her that I was talking to some people about their fornicating. And that that fornicators will be cast into the lake of fire. And so I I think that sort of ran her train off the track. I think you probably, I'd love to hear that discussion later. What in the world is he preaching? Well, believe it or not, I'm preaching the Bible. They will be cast into the lake of fire. Yeah, the fire that's been prepared for the devil and his angels, where the devil and his angels are going to spend forever in torment. It's not prepared for you and me, amen? But the Bible makes it clear immoral people who will not repent of their immorality will be cast into that. Well, that starts to meddle in there, doesn't it? Well, anyhow, that's what the Bible says. I'm preaching good now. Keep your heart with all diligence. There's that word diligent again. For out of, out of it spring the issues of life or the forces of life. The Bible says He's put His Word according to Jeremiah 31, prophesied, fulfilled in Hebrews chapter 10, verse, I forget what verses in chapter 10 and chapter 8, but it says this, that He'll put His Word in your heart, He'll put His Word in your mind, and then what He'll do, He'll write that Word on your heart, and He'll write that Word in your mind. How's He going to do that? Not by osmosis, not by putting the Bible under your pillow, He's going to do it by your reading. And he'll begin to say things to you like this. Have you considered this? Have you thought about this? That's how the Lord does me. and he, I'm no, He's no respecter of persons. That's how He teaches. He'll ask you questions. Not because He needs information, but because He needs you to think. Have you thought about that? And so I begin, I write that little verse down, and I look at it, and I start studying the ver- words in it, and, and it'll be, begin to be life to me, and minister to me. It's just simple. But yet if you don't come to the Word, 
You'll be counting on the preacher every week to, be, to give you the, what you need. And if you do, you're going to look awful pitiful. If all you, all you ate was one time a week, it would not, it'd be a good diet for losing weight, but it wouldn't be for nutrition. And so we want to feed ourselves, don't we? So that's really the reason that I'm here, but, but Pastor Kevin is here. That's why the fivefold ministry exists, is to equip you to feed yourselves, to become adults that can feed yourselves. You don't need to somebody always feeding you. You can feed yourself. Making sense to anybody? Let me say this about strength to strength. Psalms 84, turn there. I'm trying to round my time up here. Eighty-four. Are you there? Psalm eighty-four, verse five. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Bacchus, the valley of crying. They make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Now, interestingly, the first word. That's used there in chapter 5 is a different word for strength than the word used in verse 7. Let me see if I can find it in my notes somewhere. There it is. The first word that's used for strength just means, get, a hold, get this, strength. That's what it means, strength. But the second word, strength to strength, means this. It means an army. By analysis, an entrenchment, bulwark, or a defensive wall. That's what a bulwark is. It's a defensive wall. Have you ever felt that you need that? Strength. Because the attack is coming. It's not if it's going to come, it's coming. And if you build your wall house on the rock, when it comes, you'll have a defense. And you can go from strength to strength in that process when you keep coming to the Lord. When you keep coming to the Lord. When you keep seeking the Lord. Does that help anybody? It helps me. Strength to strength. More and more. I'm getting more and more understanding of the Word. The light is shining on the Word. The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. The Word is becoming alive. God's teaching me. I'm being changed from glory to glory. I'm going from faith to faith. I'm going from life to life. And I can continue to expect that as long as I keep coming to the Lord. Somebody said, well, brother, I'm just a person of prayer. I'm not doing much about this, you know, don't know much about the Word. Let me tell you something about that. You've fallen into error. It's a spirit of error. Your prayer life is built on your Word life. If your prayer life, I, I, listen, I found this years ago in my early pastorate. I had, as a matter of fact, this one woman, she used to be a witch, was in our congregation. And she would invariably want to prophesy. This was before I even had my revival but at least I had this much sense I said how is your Bible reading you read them well not so much 
I finally had to say to her, listen, until you begin your Bible reading so much, don't prophesy. Because she'd say things that were stupid. Jen, you remember? Well, she's no longer with us. She's gone on to wherever she went. And, uh, but that's, that's how I feel about that. Your prayer life, your prophecy life, that's way, way back yonder. Many of you, none of you folks would ever know who it was. I only talk about people from 40, 40 years ago. They're already dead, and that makes no difference. The names will forever remain unknown. Well, preachers have got to talk about something. They've got to use their experience. Who knows? Maybe you will be my next illustration. No, no. I'll, w I'll wait another 40 years. Oh, that's right. I don't have another 40 years. So you're all, you're all subject to not being talked about <clears throat> from the pulpit because I can't live that long. I don't reckon. Who knows? Thank you, Maria. Lord, Maria is believing for me to live 40 more years. My faith is faltering on that. <laughs> My brother turned 77 the other day, and I told him, I said, Boy, you're going to live to be 90. He said, I hope not. you got to know my brother to appreciate that. But anyhow, there's a whole lot more to say, but I pretty much covered what I wanted to say. The law of increase. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That's the law of increase. Comes by sowing and reaping. Sow to your spirit. And you will of your spirit reap the life of God, multiplied, increasing, and abounding in your life. It will be an interesting experience. It will be a wonderful experience. Even when you're down, you won't be as far down as you were. There's a peak coming. Amen? See, that's not a yo-yo Christian. A yo-yo Christian is this. You don't want to be that. But you have to understand that there are are peaks and there are va little valleys that'll happen because that's called change and I hate to be just poetic but really the great work of growth is in the valley everybody agree with that that's where the water settles and that's where all the stuff grows those mountain peaks nothing hardly grows on it it's exciting it's a great view but boy you wouldn't want to live up there in terms of Building a house, as it were, you know what I'm saying, camping out up there for in, in, indefinitely. But many of us fall into that trap. We think we've always got to be on a high. But I keep looking for the Lord to bring the high places down and to bring the low places up, and there's a level place. That's called maturity, living on a level place. Amen? You don't see them running off, being stupid, doing dumb things in the name of God. Everybody stand up. You're tired of sitting, I know.